look, I'm wearing completely different headphones today. You got another pair of headphones? No, I didn't get another pair of headphones. What happened was that I had forgotten that I owned a very nice pair of Sennheisers. (laughs) (laughs) But they suddenly just turned up and Bob went, are these yours? What do you mean they suddenly just turned up? I think what happened was I either gave or lent them to Bob and Bob is really good at tidying up. And by tidying up, I mean hiding things in cupboards. <laughs> but had you, you must have talked to her about um, the headphone situation. I told her about the headphone situation, and she then, a couple of days later, presented them to me. I, went, I found these. So these, are, these, very... are, these aren't Lee cancelling. <laughs> these aren't Lee cancelling headphones. These are fuck-up cancelling headphones. <laughs> and so I, are you nervous? Are you nervous? I, I really am nervous. I've got Do Not Disturb on. And I've switched off Bluetooth on my... Um, everything. <laughs> yeah. So theoretically, everything should be fine. We need, a little, I, we need a little thing embedded in our shoulders, don't we? A little Bluetooth switch, oh, which just switches them all off. It, yeah. I mean, I would be all for that. Who was that Australian artist? Who was that Australian artist's name? Oh, Stellark. Stellark. <laughs> Stellark, who grew an ear on the back of... Of his on the back of back of his arm, front of his arm. Oh, I don't remember. It didn't. The only thing is, it it didn't work. It wasn't like a. You couldn't. You couldn't. Hello. <laughs> you couldn't speak into it. Like I, like get like uh, Maxwell Smart. <laughs> oh, that's a deep cut. Ah, <laughs> oh, so. Um. So are you recording? Yeah, I'm recording. So am I. Well, at least Shut. at least you hope you are. <laughs> well, yeah. I was going to say. Um. The microphone is plugged in. So, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's you, uh, it's uh, it's nice to hear your voice. Nice to see you briefly. It's nice, nice to, to hear your yeah, voice now. N- n- nice to hear and see you too. And um, this is I feel like a real podcaster because we had our first podcasting fuck up. Oh, you mean like uh, like uh, it's not a party until someone breaks something? Well, yeah, I guess so. Having we, lost an entire episode, weeks conversation, yeah, yeah, the, the conversation that never happened. It's strange, isn't it? Because I, I remember it being. Um, I think it was our best ever. Oh, it was our best ever because we were both on form. You didn't interrupt once. I didn't have to take off. <laughs> didn't have to take off any clothing, and you, you and you didn't talk about bums at all. <laughs> Except that's not true, is it? I have <laughs> <It's> not true. <laughs> there, was, there was a lengthy, a lengthy diatribe. This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. Hey, you know, I, I did say something last week. Do you, do you mind if I do this? No, I'd love it. Because it was in um, it was in response to the conversation we had based on a listener of ours, Mandy, who sent in this question about what would you say oh, to yeah. your eighteen year old self, and. Uh, the other day, a, another listener, um, whose name is Hamish, Hamish McPherson, sent me a text, and he he his text basically said, "What if you just listened to your eighteen year old self?" And his thought was, or his point was, that we are our capacity to be changed by just being heard is sometimes more, is sometimes more powerful or more extraordinary than. 
um, the things we say. And mm. and I really, I just really mm. love that the idea of you know an eighteen year old who hasn't been um, hasn't been listened to in a particular way, and and their future self just listening carefully to them would be um, pretty great. So thanks, that Hamish. It reminded me of, and I can't remember the source, but I'll put it in the show notes. It reminded me of this idea that the concept of being heard is so close to the feeling of being loved that for most people we're not able to distinguish between the two things. I just think that idea of being heard and being loved, sharing territory in our brain is just gorgeous. And also because you, I remember you talked about your um, academic father and Mm. um, Uncle Robin and and how that was, in a sense, that's something he did was he just heard you. Yeah. And it doesn't matter yeah. where you're from or how privileged you are or, you know, that just how powerful, how powerful it is to be heard. And it is, in a way, a nice segue to the idea of privilege. Because Thank you. I think there is something, you're welcome, uh, about that idea that privilege is the assumption that you will be heard. Oh, yeah. I don't think the we have assum- anything else to say about it. No, I don't think the, I don't think we have, have we? So uh, thanks very much. It's been <laughs> it's been lovely listening. Big shout Goodbye. out to all our sponsors today. Really appreciate uh, <laughs> appreciate your money. And do you, is there a time? Is there a time when you realised that you'd always been making that assumption that I would be listened to? That's right. Or have you come from a, an entirely different, uh, I'll say, world in which no, you I never thought that? I don't think I did always think that I would be heard. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that there are things about the shape I am and the space that I fill in the world that just means I am listened to, I am heard. And you mean shape and space metaphorically? I actually think I mean shape literally and metaphorically. Right. So the fact that I am six foot two, the fact that I'm male. I love it when you say how tall you are. I'm six foot one and three quarters, but I I feel that rounding up is fine. I mean, actually, I feel confident enough that I could round down. (laughs) I'm six foot one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't mind which way you round. You could, but I think six foot one and three quarters requires a rounding up, just in terms of, of how rounding up works. I'm glad we're talking about size here. <laughs> so because I'm six foot one and three quarters, um, <laughs> I I fill up a certain amount of space. Yeah. So so there's a kind of, there's a physical dimension to, to being heard in, in that way. My voice does a particular kind of thing. So, so It's I've, quite I've, resonant. I've, it's quite deep. It's, it, yes. And it's also quite loud. You were able to fill is, spaces clearly with the, even just with yeah. the volume of your voice. Absolutely. So I can, I can always make myself heard. Yeah. But this is absolutely and avowedly an adult thing. It's not something that I assumed would happen. We talked about the fact that I was little and fat. And also I was northern, which means that um, I had a much more nasal voice. So it sat in a different part of... So it sat back here rather than in my... sort of. It it didn't resonate down from the chest. Can I ask, is there a chip? Do you have a chip on your shoulder as a northerner in this country? It's impossible not to. I didn't assume for a long time that my opinions would be valid compared to perhaps some of the people who sound more... um, yeah, more received pronunciation than I do. So I think that idea of of being heard wasn't something that I assumed. And then I realized when I was talking at some point later on in my career that whenever I opened my mouth, everybody else shut up. (laughs) And so that became a a, a moment where it's like, oh, I'm going to have to now start to think about when I listen. Hmm. Because I'd spent 
you know, in, in the early part of a career, in the early part of an academic career, building up the confidence to say what I thought um, and feel confident and comfortable about articulating my ideas in a way that felt it, that it had the the fluidity that of the people that I, I heard speaking. And so I was, so, you know, it's about that, that sense of training to, to be able to do that kind of um, linguistic sparring. But it's interesting because there's one thing about the, let's say, the personal capacity to make something happen. And then there's this other thing, which is what's bestowed on you, regardless of your ability, meaning, meaning that Privilege is something that's bestowed on you, whether you effectively, whether you like it or not. It comes with the terrain, whether that terrain, if we're talking about, in, in this case, um, the part of the country you're from, or we're talking about gender or race or how, all those other kind of, you know, you might say quintessential privileges. <clears throat> yes and no. Start with the because, no. Well, I'm so I'm speaking from a body. At, at 47, that recognises it has been steeped in privilege. So I came from uh, a family who... My parents remain married to this day. Um, my parents supported decisions that I made and did everything they could to ensure that, that the decisions I made could be sort of brought to fruition, even though I've said in the past that they didn't necessarily have the... Um, the resources to know how to do things, you know, because they left school at 14. Um, sure. Mum worked in a... But they loved you. was a butcher. Exactly that. They loved me. They supported me. Whatever decisions I made. So that's... Hang on, so the privilege... Sorry. The privilege there is that your parents cared for you? Yeah. Well, it, I just it, want to be sure that that's what you're saying, that you were loved and saying. that's a privilege. Yeah. Even if it wasn't ever explicitly said, I could fall on my arse and I'd always be able to go back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's you know so, clearly you're, you it's not like you there was a safety net and you know no that, no 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 it's not like there were it's not, I'm not talking here about being the heir to a biscuit fortune it's not that <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say that because I know that <laughs> in our last episode we may have said who would have thought we would ever use the phrase well, I think we should fortune. now it should be something that we mention every episode is that yeah, the, it should be a touchstone for us a touchstone. But it's not like I was the heir to a biscuit fortune, or frankly, any kind of fortune. Um, but still, there was a place you could go back. There was, yeah, a, there was, exactly. there was a safety net in the sense. There that, was a safety yeah. net. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that that I think that idea of being loved is a privilege because I'm coming to realise. God, it's a, a low bar. The, I mean, it's a high bar and a low bar. If you understand what I mean. I do, but you know, you, there's a there's a lot oh. of people who don't don't oh, have I that. Know, I know. I know. There's that. There's the fact that I'm white. There's the fact that I'm male. There's the fact. There's so there's there's all sorts of things that mean that I can see where I am right now. That clearly I am hugely privileged. I, I guess I'm trying to hint at the invisibility of it, or the the lack of awareness. That part of the idea of privilege is that we the, the way it functions is through its invis its invisibility. We don't know that we are like this. That this has been, as I say, bestowed on me, and therefore I behave in this way without any recognition that it's this this event is unfolding the way it is because of all these various things. These yeah. various privileges, yeah, or I at least in exactly. part because of. And I think the issue is it remains invisible for lots of people that they don't interrogate their own privilege. Uh, it's just, I guess, I'm thinking that, um, yeah, it was. A, I was, you know, well into my middle age really before I before I realised that I assumed I was being listened to. And the funny thing about it 
and I'm, you know, I'm thinking about even in situations when you would expect me to be listened to, like being a teacher. Um, I thought it was because of what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just want yeah. to say that, you know, that I thought it's because what I had to say was worth being heard, which is, I would say, a quintessential example of, a, of, of the performance of privilege or the expression, I should say, is a better word of, of privilege. That is, I don't even, I don't even recognize that it might not, it might have nothing to do with what it is that I'm saying. How do we delineate how do we separate the in this case the things i was saying from the assumptions i've made about being heard or is it is there any value in attempting to pry those things apart i don't know how or if it's possible to prize them apart or untangle them for us for two white middle-aged men two educated white middle-aged men i think there is a value for us in that recognising that if we don't spend some time thinking, is this me that's being listened to, or is this my ideas that are being listened to? And I know somebody now can say, those are not two separate things. I get that. I totally get that. But but when I say the me that's being listened to, is it me as a white six foot one and three quarters man being listened to or is it me as somebody who spent quite a lot of time reading and researching and studying and trying to get better at something <laughs> that's being listened to which version of that uh anyway let's uh, we should cut to a sponsor at this very point <laughs> <laughs> um yeah have you used duck duck go as a search engine <laughs> <laughs> no because i'm planting trees with i can't remember the name i want to say you're right Ecosia. Ecosia. yeah okay yeah. um oh but I, I think if we don't ask those questions we're just going to uh, – I'm going to phrase this as a question now. Are we not simply going to reiterate levels of privilege because we've not caught ourselves? I have a feeling that because the temperature of the conversations about privilege have skyrocketed, that it used to be the idea of checking your privilege, right? Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard that term in, in quite some time. And But I still think that concept – of attempting or working to become aware of how it is that you have risen in the world is a worthwhile endeavor. It's a worthwhile um, test of your own imagination, of your own life, of your own significance. I also think the flip side of that is it's also an incredibly middle class thing to do. I find that curious. And maybe I'm not being, I'm not, Maybe that's not accurate. I mean, I'm happy to be... Last week you referenced... Um, you mean in the cancelled episode or in the real in the, episode? In, not in the cancelled, the... the, uh, in, the in the episode we reco- I didn't record and you did record that we can't put out. But you which said I, just for the record, wanted to um, to uh, publish just as me speaking without, <laughs> without you fucking interrupting. Except <laughs> they call a it good, the Simon episode. <laughs> a good third of it would have you be going, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What? No, 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 you finish with what you're saying. Because <laughs> that... <laughs> <laughs> epic listening so you unmissable said, listening unmissable. but you said something you you talked about reading poverty safari i did gavin i think it's gavin mcgarvey say something about the book now because it's basically a story of him uh, overcoming extraordinary addictions and i just want to say life stuff his own addictions, the addiction of his mother, um, who was an alcoholic, and 
Oh, in fact, it's not. I don't want to say it's a story of him overcoming that, but it's a, a story of him assessing how that world marked him in many extraordinary and terrible and powerful ways. It's incredible because he's, even though he describes himself as uh, as a lefty, you can you can feel the thickness of his frustration with both the left and the right when it comes to dealing with poverty. Anyway, I think that's maybe that's enough. He does a TEDx talk in which he talks about having to let go of anger. In a sense, whilst what he is not doing is checking his privilege, because he's avowedly not speaking about privilege, he is talking about the work that he had to do to get out of his own way. Oh, yeah. Oh, and personal responsibility. Which, Absolutely. Which means, effectively, the things that that his environment was setting him up to fail, and he was constantly blaming others. This is part of his story, is about this constant kind of um, pushing what was going on in his life onto other people. It's their fault. It's the culture's fault. It's the, it's the city council's fault. It's his mother's fault. And so basically a realization that he had to take some responsibility. And this line between the responsibility of a governmental system and personal responsibility. So when you say that the idea of checking privilege is an overwhelmingly middle class action i think maybe the idea of checking privilege is but i think checking in with yourself and taking ownership isn't yeah i'm with you Uh, because i you know i think he speaks with such eloquence and such um humility and power such an inspiring Um, book i think there's absolutely something that's analogous happening there so i i kind of want to say i don't want i don't feel comfortable saying this is a middle-class pursuit Mm. When there are lots of people who are stepping into a conversation with themselves about what their responsibility in the world is. And essentially, checking your privilege is only that, isn't it? Yeah, I I like that. I like what you're saying, Lee. I do. It's really curious because one of the things that, I mean, we just get a bit stuck on Lockie um, briefly, but that he, he talks about. Um, I, I can't remember the words precisely, but it's like lefty do-gooders. And um, and he, he talks about the way they would come into this, this you know, incredibly impoverished community in Glasgow and never really listened to the people in the community. And it clearly is at the heart of this conversation, which is that when I'm talking and making assumptions about my power, right, my, my status and my capacity to change things, even in the smaller sense, to, to change uh, the feeling in a room, for example, that when I'm doing that, I'm not listening. Mm. That is an expression of privilege, which is profoundly important to, <laughs> for want of a better word, check. Yeah. Especially, you know, you and I know this experience very well when you're working with students. It's very easy for students to to fall under your spell. And yeah. it is, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Then you get that teaching that's the cult of personality. Oh, and it's, I mean, any kind of, any kind of leadership is a cult of personality. And, yeah. and, and I, I mean, it touches on the feedback episode, really. But, but you know, the, the work I really, or I think the work we all should be doing is listening to the stories of others better than we are currently listening to the stories of others. The way that you talk and the way that we have a conversation with each other, you are always, always the first to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I see it. Like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that. You will seed ground in a way that is much um, more generous than I will as a, as a conversator. 
I know it's the, are I know the word to, is. Are you about to dish me out? Are you about to dish me out a shit sandwich? <laughs> no, 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 no! I'm giving you a compliment. No, that Shut was the, the first part. That was the first part. No, now, I know. There's no shit the in the sandwich. No. First of all, I want to say I know the word is conversationalist, not conversator. But I, I love like it. I like conversator. Yeah. No, so, so you are always much more um, generous in ceding territory than I am. Um, I have a habit of seeing things in binaries either or and you are much much more comfortable in embracing the messiness in the middle in weird contrast i think it might be because i'm and i am going to do my derrida tick now <laughs> i think it might well, it be must be hard on your neck that tick, eh? <laughs> i i think it's because i'm i'm sort of schooled in a, in that way of thinking that is like in any hegemonic system you've got a dominant position you've got a, a non-dominant position and in order for us to move into kind of a, a truly undecidable territory that kind of messy confusing always open to negotiation and complexity that you're talking about in order to get there there has to be that flip in the first instance where the dominant position is is unseated for a little while and i think i'm not convinced that at a societal level we've got to the messy complex place because there are still too many people holding on to their privilege so i'm i'm tending to put things i think when i more see black and white world, in order to make more black clear and white. Effort. yeah exactly go this looks like gendered behavior and we can go oh yeah but that guy's not being gendered it's like yeah but it's still a guy who's doing it so fuck him he is <laughs> Yeah, but and I'm and I'm really happy to be honest. In the short term, to to hit everybody with the shitty end of the stick for a little while, in order to try and get somewhere messy. And I know that you're going to say, yeah, but what we do is we close down conversation when we have that happening. And you are right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. The two things come to mind. One is um, uh, the year before last, I was I think accused. I think that would be the right word. I certainly heard it as an accusation that to express uncertainty is in itself a mark of privilege. And then I want to shake my head in that kind of way and go, where the fuck does that conversation lead? Like that is closing down, that is a closing down of, of, um, uh, of any kind of possibility for complexity. And the other thing is, which is, I think, what you hinted at when you responded as if you were me in the way you just did, um, which I really, uh, I really like, given how often we, um, uh, when we're deciding on titles for particular episodes, I give you a list of possible titles and I think he's going to choose this one and we're yet to get, uh, we're yet to <laughs> choose the same title. <laughs> um, but which is, I think the that position of I actually really understand the idea of let's make it a little more black and white so that that there's value in going there's value in saying that's happened because because of a particular way of being in the world I understand the argument the concern I have is that I actually think it I th and I, this is going to be the worst possible thing to say in public right but I think it marginalizes particular men it actually amps up the disagreements just not a strong enough word i'm trying to think maybe the implicit violence of the situation i think it it amplifies it in a way which i which worries me i hear what i don't feel i don't feel that I, i'm not saying I, no 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 i i hear what you're saying completely and i understand i just think that um 
rather than saying it marginalizes a particular type maybe of man maybe that's the wrong word I maybe that's think, wrong yeah. i think the way i would encourage you to frame it is <laughs> it it amplifies the anxieties and the anger and the fury of a particular type of man which then shuts down conversations because then it starts to go to somewhere that is more violent or, and it becomes more or they're not feeling like they're heard and who likes to feel like they're not being heard yeah except just fuck off. Oh, come and I know, on. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. But this is the same. <clears throat> and this is why you are fundamentally a better person. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because, listen, because I don't want to hear the voice of any twat who's going to pick up a knife and carve Trump into the back of a fucking manatee. Yeah, that person shouldn't be allowed to have an opinion. Put them in a box and send them out to sea. I know that that's entirely wrong because oh, it's I also I ironic get... as well, isn't it? So I know that I am absolutely part of the problem <laughs> when I'm allowed to give myself if if I give myself the space to say that kind of rhetoric. But what I what I struggle to get past is your generosity in that moment yeah. of saying to somebody, yeah. I understand the frustration because they feel like they aren't heard. And I want to go, I I want to be able to say, I understand that they feel like they can't be heard, but they have been heard. Let's not confuse feelings with facts. They have been heard throughout history. Yeah, but People this is... who look <sighs> like that have been heard heard have but been it's not valued about people who look like that for me that is the the brutality of identity markers they're reductive they don't because it's that's and that's why poverty safari is such a fantastic book because it's just one person who's been on that he's been on the receiving end of not being heard his entire life but look at the work he has done. Look at the thinking that he's gone through. Look at the way he's engaged and look at how he's articulated himself. What he has not done is simply signed up to Jordan Peterson's rhetoric. He's not simply signed up to the card-carrying incels where he should be given a woman because that's fair and that's what he's owed. And that's what I mean when I say those people but he's, look he, like But that. he's also not saying those people. No, I know he's not because he's better than I am. I'm not. I'm not occupying a position of. of um, I, I, I'm not <laughs> occupying a position of. of, of um, You're awesome. I can't even get awesomeness. my words out. Awesomeness. Here. A no. position of awesomeness. I'm not. I'm. I know I am less than. I know that I am. I am. I know that. I get that, and I. No, I'm uh, not. I'm, I'm not accused. I'm not. No, you're, I'm, these are your I'm, words. Not, I'm not. I'm not. Accusing I know you. you're not accusing me of anything. I'm getting mad with myself. I'm not getting mad with you, Simon. I am frustrated because I know he's doing a better job, but I just get so anxious to go back to the idea of the violence mm. i get anxious about the level of violence that's meted out to women that's meted oh. out to trans populations oh, that's meted yeah. out you know all of that thing and it's sure. coming from people who the people who look like us Lee. i know and i think perhaps i'm talking here about my deep shame <laughs> It's beautifully messy. It is beautifully messy. And I... It's so fucked up and complicated. And why did I think that privilege was a good idea? I have so no just idea. Because Let's I'd talk seen... about happiness next week. <laughs> I'm going to talk about ice cream. My subject next week is going to be ice cream. What's your favourite ice cream, Lee? Well, given that you know I'm lactose intolerant, I think that this is incredible. Wait, wait, wait. I did not know that. Well, I'm making it up. Oh. She's wanting to make you feel shit. <laughs> Oh, thank God. I, I think I wouldn't I be able to continue. Me. I wouldn't be able to continue with this podcast knowing you were lactose intolerant. 
How many times have we eaten cheese until we've got the sweat? 